Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Munch Bunch podcast. I'm here with my co-host, Megan Van Noy. Hello. And then we also have a very special guest, um, one of my buddies from Instagram, Dr. Hillary O'Connor, and she is known as the Wellness PT, if you find her on Instagram. Um, so say hi, Dr. O'Connor. Hello, everyone. <laughs> All right. So today's episode, we want to talk to her about pelvic floor. So this one is sort of a for the ladies episode or the ladies in your life. <laughs> yeah, ladies, ladies in your life. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Anyone um, with a pelvic floor. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone. Uh, I got mm-hmm. a pelvic floor. <laughs> and yeah, I guess like, technically men could have issues men with have, pelvic floor too, right? They absolutely. Can. They can. Is it they is do. it as common as women having problems with pelvic floor or it's not as common, but it's definitely, yeah, you definitely see clients and with that have pelvic floor issues that are men. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Um, so why don't you just give us a little bit of a breakdown of like, what is a pelvic floor and just take it from the beginning? Yeah. So I love explaining it to patients that your pelvic floor is one, a complex system, but it's more than just the muscles that Um, are on the bottom that sit on the bottom of your pelvis, AKA the ones that you feel when you're sitting on top of like a bike seat, those would be your traditional like pelvic floor muscles that you Mm -hmm. feel and then everything around it. So say like your butt muscles, your hip muscles, hamstrings, quads, um, your inner thighs, and then connected uh, up above would be the abdominals and the diaphragm. And you kind of all of those work together as a system in order to keep the muscles of the pelvic floor working well. And then you tie in the breath and your body's ability to handle stress and manage pressure with the air that you're breathing. Um, And that is kind of a huge complex of what the pelvic floor is. Hmm. So interesting because I don't think a lot of people realize that the way that you breathe can change the tension in your pelvic floor. Okay. I I don't know about you guys, but I personally um, am a f- recovering mouth breather, as I like to put it. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Formerly tongue-tied. Mm-hmm. And I really have to focus on breathing with my belly and the lower part of my rib cage because I have so many years of breathing with my chest that I have to physically focus on it. And then once I learned about pelvic floor, I was like floored because I realized I hold so much tension in there and like cards on the table, learning way too much about me. I am one of those people that always had my stomach tight and like sucked in because I wanted to look skinny. And I also realized that was causing a lot of tension. Like I would like kind of squeeze my vagina in and um, like tuck my, my bottom forward, mm-hmm. and, like do the, the pregnant belly pose. 
Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So crazy. And so I didn't realize like why I was doing that until I kind of learned more and also like following you on Instagram, Hillary, like you have so many interesting things. Like you'll post something that says like unclench your butt. And I'm like, Oh shit, I'm doing it right now. <laughs> You're like right this moment. <laughs> yeah. Never, never notice how much tension you're holding inside of your muscles until someone is like, Hey, wait a second. You got to unclench that and let everything relax. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that, so, you know, obviously everybody here knows I had a baby last year and I did pelvic floor physical therapy following having Isabel. And it wasn't the like holding the tension. That was my problem. It was letting it like be able to just let the rest of it go. And I, you know, she'd be like, relax, relax. And I'm like, I am relaxing. (laughs) She's like, honey, no, you're not. (laughs) Like, oh, that was, it was like a serious conscious effort for me to like, really like let things just like relax. And it's still, I'll still catch myself, even though I'm, you know, past my, my pelvic floor PT, but yeah, it was really, really interesting. Cause I just always was like, I am relaxed. And she's like, no, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah. So, um, talk to us more. So how do people know they need pelvic floor physical therapy? Like what would, you know, I had a baby so that, you know, for me, that seemed pretty, you know, next steps. I had to ask my primary care provider about it. It wasn't something I was told at my six weeks. I said, Hey, I know there's something more out here. Like, can we, you know, can we talk about it? Like, what's the deal? So how do people know that they need you? Cause I'm yeah. sure there's so many people that do that don't know. Right. Exactly. And there's so many symptoms of pelvic floor that people don't really uh, connect the dots to. So anyone that is experiencing back pain, hip pain, pelvic pain, um, even neck tension or tightness can be related to pelvic floor, but, um, painful sex, pain with period. Um, oh my gosh, so many pelvic pressure, like prolapsy symptom, just pressure down into that pelvic floor, um, pain with pooping. Oh my gosh. There's just so many to list, but the main ones that people don't really associate with pelvic floor would be uh, back hip pain. Um, those could be definitely related to pelvic floor symptoms. And then, um, going back to what you said about your having your baby and, uh, knowing there's something more after the six weeks. And unfortunately, like in our healthcare system, it's kind of like a gray area of like, who should really see the, the mother postpartum, like sure the OBGYN. Um, but then, there's not really any resources given in that six week, um, (laughs) yeah, in that six week, uh, checkup. And so it's just unfortunate that so many women could benefit from pelvic floor therapy, whether they're even symptoms like, uh, maybe they're, uh, like stitches are causing some pain just with sitting or something and really Mm -hmm. just getting into pelvic floor therapy and learning how to relax or reposition Uh the body into a better position. So those muscles don't have to stay tight. And, um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's unfortunate that people don't get it sooner than they need to. Uh Yeah. And I even learned from a local, uh, pelvic floor physical therapist here. She was telling me that like, 
actually pregnant women should see you guys before we even have the baby. And I was like, that would have been nice to know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, absolutely. That benefits so many women and, uh, well, pregnant people during, uh, birth because mm-hmm. it can really help get your body into a great position for birthing and allow the muscles to be in proper position so they can lengthen at their fullest and co- not cause tearing because your body's in a good position to birth the baby. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a, a really good point. I had heard of doing pelvic floor PT, especially if you like your first baby, you tore, you know, so like to kind of help prevent that. The big one that kind of turned me on to it is I did not realize that prolapse was a thing. <laughs> My friend, she does um, these OBGYN conferences and she was telling me that it was kind of a funny thing. They were getting the, the screen set up and they had this presenter um, that was going to have the slideshows for the OBGYN um, conference. And there was this giant you know, IMAX screen of a a prolapse vagina. (laughs) And I was like, one, that's a horrible story. And two, what is that? And she was telling me that you can lose the muscle tone and it just kind of falls Mm -hmm. out of your body. And that blew my mind. I was like, oh my gosh, like everybody needs practice Kegels apparently. (laughs) Yeah. And sometimes it's, it's, not even necessarily the muscles kind of like lose their ability to work. It's the position that the pelvis is in, not allowing the muscles to work Mm -hmm. properly to keep the organs um, like in and up, you know, lifted to where they're supposed to be. So yes, but prolapse is very common and there's tons of different exercises and um, retraining that we can do for women and a lot of them don't know that. So they go into a prolapse surgery and get say a lift of whether it's their bladder, rectum, you know, some sort of organ to lift up uterus. And then their pelvis is still in the same position as it was before the surgery. So they might experience the prolapse symptoms again, you know, because the uh, original issue was never addressed. So Mm -hmm. That's one thing to let people kind of give them a little information that there's other things we can try before surgery to try and uh, get to the root cause. So, mm-hmm. and what do you find? Um, like, why do so many people these days have pelvic floor issue, or why do people hold like people like me? hold tension in that area where you kind of like clench your bum or like squeeze your belly in or, or contract down there. Like what is the reason or what's the theory behind why we're doing that? So I like to say the theory is just how our society is go, go, go always on. Um, and I've posted about it before, but, um, being, on the go, like you, that makes you move forward. Okay. So you're moving Mm -hmm. forward and, um, you're on your toes and 
when you're ready to go, your body's like in fight or flight, like, like, let's go, let's hold tension. I'm ready to fight, you know? So Mm -hmm. essentially society is just making everyone kind of be tense and just ready to do the next thing. I accomplished this. Now, what am I going to do? Or, oh, I need to do this. And you just have a million little things to do always. And so your body's just kind of naturally tense in like this physiological state almost. So it causes the muscles to get tense too. And people hold tension in different places. So with you, you were feeling, you know, tightness, holding, clenching the butt, but it could even come from the jaw or the shoulders. And that can also um, put pressure down and cause tension into the pelvic floor. So Mm -hmm. it's, you can have tension anywhere and it can move into the pelvic floor. Yeah. So it's, Mm -hmm. I, I believe it's just our societal trend of wanting to go, go, go and not taking the intentional like time to just slow down and reconnect with yourself and your body. And, um, yeah. Hmm. I love that. So (laughs) (laughs) yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Well, you know, like again, just kind of learning the stuff that I learned from my own personal experience. Like I never knew, like just looking at a toilet could make you want to go to the bathroom. Like, like that, like the, like your brain's trained that like, Mm -hmm. when you got to go, you got to (laughs) go. And the key, the key in the door syndrome too, when you're like coming home from the grocery store and then like, you're trying to get the key in the door. And all of a sudden, like, if you have urgency problems, like you just start mm-hmm. peeing because you can't hold it anymore. Cause your body knows that you're in a safe place to go to the bathroom. And so it just releases if you don't, you know, have the control to really hold that. But yeah, it's, yeah, there's different mind things that your body's like, <laughs> it's <laughs> yeah. so funny now as like in, in my 30s I feel bad about it but I used to always laugh because my my mom she could never play on the trampoline with us because she was like if I get on the trampoline I'm gonna pee my pants and she <laughs> would <laughs> I mean she had like seven kids so god bless her like she she did her do she her body did her its duty but yeah I always used to laugh about that. And now you get older and you're like, oh man, what a jerk. (laughs) Now I I feel that. Now I can relate. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, we have, I have a friend, a good friend too. You know, after her two babies, uh, she's always had those issues too. And, you know, we mostly just like buy her gag gifts of diapers all the time. And, but I, you know, after I went through my pelvic floor PT, I was like, you know, you can still do that. Like, even though your babies are a little bit older, like, you can still, it's never, it's never too late to, to get some help there. So exactly. Yeah, no. And that's one thing that one of my missions is to let women know that they can get back to activities that they enjoyed before having baby, or even there's plenty of women that have pelvic floor issues that have never had a baby too, that experience leaking. And sometimes it's just due to chronic tension in the pelvic floor that causes like the leaking or the inability to manage the pressure. So it's just like one of my missions is just to get people back to doing what they love and uh, retraining the body and muscles to hold your body in a great position. And um, yeah, so. Yeah, I love it. I love it. So obviously, so your role is the bottom half of the body, but you see things 
actually showing up on the top half, right? Like we do, we yeah. see things of pain and patients and breathing issues and tongue ties. And then a lot of times they have a pelvic floor relationship like through the diaphragm. So what are you looking at? What are you looking for when you're looking at breathing and pelvic floor? And, you know, how do you connect those two? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I do a couple different assessments, but uh, the main way I kind of see how people are um, breathing is uh, by the position of their rib cage and their pelvis. Um, mm. And one way that I like to explain it to clients that I see is we breathe anywhere from 20,000 plus times a day, plus or minus. Um, and our diaphragm, it has two sides and our liver sits right under the right side of our diaphragm, which our liver is a very big organ. And then the heart sits on the left side. And when you breathe 20 plus ish thousand times a day, and that right sided diaphragm is a little bit bigger and stronger because it has to house over the liver, our body kind of pulls itself over to the right with each breath because of our, our diaphragm being bigger on the right, bigger, faster, stronger per se. And eventually it just becomes a habit. So it breathing pulls you to the right. And then that left side kind of gets flattened out and used less. So then we get a, a loss of connection of our left ribs and air is only moving into like the right lower lungs and the left upper lungs. We're not getting air into certain parts of our lungs because of just daily habitual breathing habits. And, um, and so what I do is work to kind of restore that and retrain your body to be able to move from side to side equally instead of only getting stuck on that right side. Um, and so I can look at someone's, feel someone's rib cage and kind of just assess and feel if their left rib is flaring up. Um, I can use certain movements of their arms to see where their rib cage is kind of positioned because if you think about it, our our arms and legs come off of our rib cage and pelvis. So the position of our arms really tells us how our rib cage is kind of shaped. And there's really two main like patterns that I see per se. Um, and so that first one that I was saying, how you get pulled over to the right and um, we kind of lose the connection with our left side. That's a really common pattern. And um, the next common pattern would be uh, to give you a picture would be the pregnancy um, posture of uh, both ribs flared forward, pelvis tipped forward, you know, <laughs> everything's kind of forward. Me. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and so then our, our back muscles start to get super tight and um, yeah. like our rib cage is flared. So our abdominals get lengthened and um, it's just a whole chain effect. So the muscles um, that we really want to retrain uh, to get our, our body into a better position would be our diaphragm and our abs, getting our rib cage down. Um, but yeah, so, um, looking at how people breathe can tell us if they're using their neck to breathe. And then, um, you kind of just ask questions too, like, do you find yourself breathing through your nose during the day or, you know, just holding tension in your, in your jaw or your neck or in your shoulders, just little things like that um, can kind of give you 
hints into how they're breathing too. Um, but yeah, a lot of people in that pregnancy posture per se, even though, even if you've never had a baby, <laughs> you can be in a pregnancy posture. <laughs> uh, uh, it tends to kick in certain muscles, our secondary breathing muscles per se. So those neck muscles start to kick on because they're Mm -hmm. in a more optimal position to help you breathe. So the diaphragm is is our respiratory breathing muscle and our abdominals help the diaphragm inhale and exhale the air from our system. So the neck muscles are secondary breathing muscles in that pregnancy posture we're putting the neck at it at a more advantage than the abdominals because those are now lengthened and the diaphragm is a little bit flattened. So then you get, when you're using the neck muscles, you're kind of, you kind of get into a more shallow, frequent, frequent breathing pattern mm-hmm. than you would if your body's in a more optimal position. Um, and so, yeah, you, it's very common to see people in that shallow frequent breathing pattern and Mm. causing neck tension it can cause headaches Mm. jaw tension tmd the temporal mandibular disorder uh it can change like the position in your teeth like i i personally have a a tongue thrust and i have a (laughs) tongue tie so i need to work on my own myofascial (laughs) stuff but um yeah it it's amazing to see that even just like neck tightness or breathing with your neck can change the position of everything down below. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then another really cool thing I like to explain to patients is that we have three domes in our body. Um, And so our, our pelvic floor is a dome, our diaphragm is a dome, and then we have another dome right in our throat, you know, so our throat and all of three of those domes have to work together um, to uh, be able to manage the pressure that you breathe in. So as you inhale, the pressure goes down and everything kind of flattens down as you exhale, everything comes back up. And so when I am teaching or guiding clients through exercises, I like to just have them really tune in and sense that, uh, whole system of air moving all the way from throat down to the pelvic floor. And sometimes it's really hard at first because they've never really had to tune in and feel that, Mm -hmm. but, um, yeah. So, yeah, I know that from my experience, um, I have to very intentionally try to do that because I'm a shallow breather and I hiccup all the time. And I've asked so many people, (laughs) why do I hiccup all the time? Mm -hmm. And it's whenever I'm working and I'm really focused Mm -hmm. and I'll be like, you know, cleaning someone's teeth or doing a deep cleaning and I start to get anxious or, or focused and I start (sighs) shallow (laughs) breathing and I will start hiccuping. And then my coworkers will yell across the office, Kimmy, breathe. (laughs) (laughs) You're supposed to do that all the time. (laughs) So I have to really think about that, like inhale and feel like everything drop down and then Mm -hmm. exhale, it kind of comes back in. Can you um, break that down? um, Just like a little exercise for our listeners that they want to do like proper breathing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the easiest way that I like to kind of teach it um, is 
go and sit, uh, find some wall space and sit against the wall. So your back is against the wall and bring your knees up in towards your chest. So the knees into the chest will kind of just block your uh, belly from being able to like push forward or anything. And so we want to sit here and breathe. So your feet are going to be on flat on the floor, knees bent into, up into your chest. So kind of like a fetal position, but your back's against the wall. And you're just going to take a gentle inhale through your nose. And then you would exhale fully from your mouth, fully exhaling like all the air out of your system and just really feeling your rib cage start to close in and come down towards your hips. And then I would ask my patients or clients to pause after your exhale for one, two seconds, and then take another gentle inhale through your nose and feel the expansion of the ribs moving, the air from your throat all the way down into that pelvic floor. And then take another long, slow exhale, fully exhaling all the air out of that system, feeling that rib cage come back in and squeeze that air out of your lungs, fully exhaling, and then pause one, two seconds. Then you'll take another gentle inhale through your nose and a full exhale again. So um, the pause during the exercise really just helps uh, the brain be like, oh, I need to be more efficient in my breath. And then, so next breath, I'll use the diaphragm to help because it's the main muscle that's going to help us pull air into our system. Um, so that's what the pause is for. And then just really getting the uh, breath to move throughout the entire system instead of solely belly or solely neck and shoulders and mm -hmm. just really retraining the body in that sort of sense. Yeah, because I know um, a lot of my patients, they have a hard time belly breathing if they're not used to it. Mm -hmm. So I think yeah. it was you actually, you posted so, this video that said like, if it's not just about belly breathing, but like using the lower part of your lungs. Yeah. And so yeah. I've started having them put a hand on their back Mm -hmm. and then trying to breathe into the hand on their back. Awesome. And for a lot of people that like does the trick and they're like, oh yeah, I can do that, you know? Or um, if they're stuffy and they're like panicking that they're not getting enough airflow, when mm -hmm. they breathe into their back, it slows their breathing down so they don't like collapse their nose so much. So that's been very, very helpful as well. Awesome. I love that. That's so cool. Oh, I like that concept. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah is really helpful. And, you know, I'm always talking about my sweet, sweet Andy. He has the worst deviated septum ever. He needs to have surgery on it, I but, um, he's the best. <laughs> <laughs> he just, uh, I taught him that technique and he's never been able to belly breathe, but he can do that one. He was like, wow, I can breathe through my nose and it I can get enough airflow. So well, awesome. if Andy can do it, anyone can do it. I think. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. I love that. <laughs> um, Megan, I don't know if you've had this too, but um, anecdotally, I mean, there's not a ton of research on it, but I've had multiple clients that say that they had um, less painful periods when they had mm -hmm. their tongue tie release because of the fascia connection to the pelvic floor. Um, another one, she had less painful sex mm -hmm. after her tongue tie release and learning how to belly breathe, of course. And, 
yeah like have you had any of those type of things I know that like some of a lot of them also they have less bathroom issues like they can like hold their pee at night and they don't need to wake up multiple times a night Mm -hmm. what are your experiences with um, your patients and like things that they notice with with their pelvic floor and the tongue tie release yeah, I've had I've had a lot of patients give that feedback as well. Um, I've also had some patients report that they started noticing pelvic floor issues, and part of me has wondered if they've just always had them or have always been super tight that they never knew mm-hmm. how to connect it. And so now that they have almost like the freedom to move, they don't quite know what to do. So then I've even had to refer to pelvic floor physical therapy because like it's like all of a sudden it's like oh. Like there's, it's not as tight. It's not as like, you know, tense. I'm not holding it all the time now. So now what? (laughs) Now I almost not only need to relearn, you know, tongue and function and soft palate seal, diaphragmic breathing, but now I need to relearn how to use my pelvic floor. So it'd be all three of those areas. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, And speaking to that too, when you release the, the tongue, you're essentially those people are probably prone to be in that pregnancy posture in that short, frequent breathing pattern. So they were using their neck muscles to help them breathe. And then you release that and the, the fascia kind of releases. And now their body's like, well, now I'm not tense and tight anymore. So now how am I supposed to breathe? You know, so tension moves elsewhere. And like you said, they might experience new tension in their pelvic floor because their body is like, oh, we need to hold tension somewhere, you know? So yeah. Uh, yeah. And there's a fascial connection from our tongue all the way down to our big toe. So it's, it's all connected. So that's awesome that you guys have had clients that have had success or improved in symptoms that they essentially didn't even know they had before they got their releases. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's all about that body awareness. Yeah. yeah. Body awareness is huge. It doesn't matter yeah. what part we're working in. And I think that's, what's so important. Again, when we like talk about this silver blue in the face is always finding a like collaboration group to work with, right? Like, because it is the whole body, it is every piece and every part. And if we just take care of one, like you said, also they might figure out they have tension in other places and that's on our specialty. That's on our modality. So having somebody in our corner, like you be like, okay, we'll talk to Dr. O'Connor. This is her area of expertise. Like we want to take care of you head to, you know, to toe, big toe, whatever it is. Right. Like, (laughs) (laughs) so yeah, I just think that's so, so important. And so crucial is like, we're kind of unwinding body issues in one spot that it either might highlight or help with body issues in other spot because it is, um, it all comes together. It all is connected together, even though, uh, you know, in the medical field, we don't really study it that way. Right. Yeah. And I can even speak to personal experience. My daughter had a tongue tie when she was born. And so six weeks old, we got her tie released and, um, the, uh, pediatric dentist that we went to, recommends a chiropractor and myofascial release with the ties because it's such a huge whole body complex Mm -hmm. that um so we were already uh had her in myofascial cranial sacral before the release happened which was Mm -hmm. huge and helpful Mm -hmm. um but then just continuing with those after too just to help the tension and the muscles now 
again, retrain how to work and function properly just to have my daughter like use her tongue while she's breastfeeding, you know? So Mm -hmm. it's, yeah, it, it was a really cool experience. And I would say that right after her release, um, I could literally feel the change in her tongue mm-hmm. motion, um, breastfeeding. And so that was really cool that like, I could feel an immediate, immediate change. So, yeah. Amazing. Mm-hmm. And hopefully that sets her up for more success in life. Cause it's yeah. really hard when you're fighting that tongue because your tongue grows your body, right? You know, everything it's here just... forward. Uh-huh. All right. right. So thank you so much for being on with us, guys. Um, Dr. Hillary O'Connor, she is a physical therapist PT. You can find her on Instagram, The Wellness PT. And her website is www.thewellnesspt.doc.com. I love that. Um, and then Dr. Hillary, uh, do you do anything virtual or do you see people in a certain state or like, how could people connect with you if they feel like they need help? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you can contact me through my website and I do virtual consultations. Um, so I can see people virtually and really get to know their body and how their body is moving and just give them a kind of a, a plan a corrective exercise plan to help them, um, move better and feel better and be able to enjoy what they were doing previously. But then I also see clients, uh, in person as well. So have that option as mm-hmm. well. You're in Alexandria, Minnesota. Minnesota. <laughs> so, okay. Yes, Minnesota. <laughs> All I right. That's awesome. Thank you so much for being on with us. So we appreciate you guys a lot. And then don't forget that you can find Megan and I on Instagram. We have um, the Munch Bunch Mile podcast Instagram. And then Megan is at NWMFT. And Kimmy is at Mouth Muscle Memory. All right. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Bye, everyone.